0: Good Monday morning. I've been asked to go a little bit further than where I was last Monday, but not in the science part, in a different part, a part which is really very difficult for people to grasp. And the fact is that we are not alone in the universe and not everything out there likes us. I'm not talking here about extraterrestrial life. I have no problem with there being billions and trillions of other worlds. My God is big enough for that and I'll let him deal with whatever's out there. It's just such an incredibly large place, this universe of ours, that um, it would be a shock to me if our incredibly powerful, wise God doesn't have other things going. Ah, That's up to him. But there are other things out there that are also in here that don't like us very much. It's strange, and we talked about that last week. You can listen to last Monday's if you missed it, go back and grab that. It's strange to think of these things in a scientific age. Uh, There have been um, books written about the silliness of Christians believing in demons and devils, and and Carl Sagan wrote about the the demon-haunted world. Uh, Let's not go too far here, Carl. Let's have some thoughts the, the Celtic people have long talked about there being thin places and I preached a whole long series of that at the last church that I served before we began our safe harbor and that is places where you are so close to the spiritual that you can feel the spiritual touch the physical I always think of the Isle of Iona uh, just off of Scotland's west coast where Christianity came to Scotland at least came to stay. There were other incursions from the South, but there are places where you can just go and and get a sense of the holy. And there are people I've been around where you can get that sort of sense as well. But one aspect about thin places has not been discussed as much in churches and Christian literature. And that is that sometimes you can feel very close in that thin place, but it's not something spiritual and wonderful, but something spiritual that doesn't like you. I think many of us have walked into rooms or been in situations where suddenly we're gone I don't like the feel here I think to be honest I think most of that's imaginary but some of it is not because some of the stuff out there is real the scriptures are replete with warnings about this in 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verses 18 through 22 there is a warning that Christians are not to join themselves with demons and you can do that through some worship you can do that through some uh, sexual acts you can do that but however you do it don't do it first Corinthians 10 Paul indicates that the gods that people worship are not real gods but they masquerade as gods and they get very angry when we don't play with them but God gets very angry when we do play with these false gods The Old Testament is a strange series of stories in so many ways, but one of them is, it stands apart from other ancient literature in that it is not demon-ridden. In other ancient literature, demons and incantations to the gods make up that, and accounting make up the bulk of everything. You know, prayers and vacations, uh, worship warnings, and then over here, who sold what cow to what person. That's the vast majority of what we find when we dig up manuscripts or plates with um, words etched on them and so um, then we come to the Old Testament and demons are there but it is not nearly as in your face as other books. In fact most of what and we'll deal with this as we do more Monday morning messages in the future uh, most of what we think we know about the devil actually comes from different sources. It comes from the book of Enoch, the first book of Enoch. It also comes from the work of John Milton with Paradise Lost. Um, lost. I want to make sure I didn't sound like lust there. Paradise Lost, and also um, it also comes from that intertestamental period and the period of Babylonian captivity, because you see, when we um, when when the Jews went into Babylon, they encountered all of this literature about. Satan or Satan and demons and they began then to develop their own theology and so after the exile they have a growing and developing theory or doctrine or religious position on demons and a head demon and so whenever you come into the New Testament suddenly we have Satan as a personal being and you've got um, uh, real trouble and demons around. We find uh, the name Satan in the Old Testament. We find it in Job, one of our older books, but the word there really just means an adversary, a prosecutor, an, an accuser. And then it develops once they've reached the Babylonians and then have a few hundred years in Egypt, uh, developing a lot of, this is not the Egyptian captivity of Joseph. They probably shouldn't have even brought this up. In that 400 years that some people say are 400 years of silence, the Jews were not silent. They were collating their scriptures, they were editing them, they were putting them together. That's where we get the Septuagint and a ton of other books. And so all of that stuff is this cauldron, as Philip Jenkins called it, a crucible uh, of religion. And so the New Testament, all of a sudden we find stuff wasn't in the Old Testament, but there are some things. There are strong warnings about the gods. Remember, Paul said that demons masquerade as gods. So there were strong warnings about the occult uh, in general. Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, just one verse, 31. But then it's revisited in Deuteronomy 18. Pretty powerful set of verses there from 9 through 14. And then Leviticus 18 and verse 21. But that's not all. Uh, We find that those are general warnings and pretty harsh warnings, but then in Leviticus 20, we run across this demon God called Molech Uh, And the worship of Molech shows up in the life of Manasseh who in the book of Kings is irredeemably evil and absolutely everything in Chronicles he is the same except that he repents and writes a beautiful song at the end of it Uh, Because Chronicles everything has to have a happy ending in Kings, it's uh, it it doesn't. So, Molech, um, he, to worship Molech, you actually would sacrifice children. Uh, you would sacrifice your own children. Um, and of course, people, soldiers, would come through and sacrifice yours, even if you didn't want them to at times. It would, the phrase to look for in scripture is pass them through the fire. Uh, and I won't really go through how they did that. Uh, you can look that up on your own if you want to, but why would you? Uh, Baal or I've always called him Baal and so I'm going to do that as well. I didn't realize until recent years that i had been pronouncing it wrong uh, that Baal but it still sounds weird for me to say it and so I'm just gonna say Baal. Fair enough. B-A-A-L. He shows up again and again and again. He was a storm God but he was so much more. He was he was a God over whatever the people needed him to be over at that time and then that tribe. He would change his face and change his characteristics to fit the tribe, the land and the situation. He was said to work in storm clouds and thunder and lightning and to worship him, they had ritual prostitution and child sacrifice. We see conflict between uh, Baal and the people of God all through the Old Testament. And Baal had uh, a female companion and a female equal. Um, I've had people say that Ashtoreth was his wife. Consort is a better term for this. But Ashtoreth, sometimes called Ishtar in Babylonia or Aphrodite in Greece, her worship involved a lot of sex, and so it remained very popular all the way through the times of the New Testament. And then there was Dagon, the god of the Philistines, and he and our God had a fun duel. It wasn't fun for Dagon. I just really like this story. It's in First Samuel chapter one, where um, the Philistines are trying to show that their God is superior by taking the Ark of the Covenant and putting it in front of their God, Dagon. And every morning they come and he's fallen over. And so one, he falls over and breaks and I figure, oh, we got I get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. What a weird idea, by the way. Uh, instead of getting rid of the weird God you've got that keeps falling over and, you know, symbolically bowing before the Ark of the Covenant, why don't you get with the God of the Ark of the Covenant? But that's the way people are you know it's just it is no 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 we got to protect our edifice of thought belief and custom no matter what anybody else does so get rid of the plainly superior god so that we can get back to our minor god that has balance issues i sometimes hear people say these were just old superstitions patrick how can you believe this in fact one of uh, my favorite atheists even wrote a column and he and, and he said you can become he was talking about a guy that actually did his, his doctoral thesis on demons. And he said, how in the world can in America, somebody get a doctorate in something that doesn't exist. And I had a couple of exchanges with him. We didn't change each other's minds, but he wasn't rude. He's just completely doesn't believe this. It's good, good thing to think about though. How, how could this be true? Are these just old superstitions? And we're, we're well beyond that now the uh, Christian psychiatrists who were, wrote many books in the 80s, I don't know if they kept writing or not, menrith and Meyer, uh, they would say they believed in demons, but they hadn't met one yet that, was, that wasn't that was allergic to Thorazine and Haldol. And what they meant by that was everybody that pe- claimed they were demon possessed, or people claimed they were, if they gave them the medicine, they weren't anymore. I think that was a little bit churlish, but, Again, that was, that was their experience. And so I try not to argue with people's experience. We have limited vision and we inhabit a massive universe, which is almost completely empty. Dark matter and dark energy make up well over 90%, 97% of the universe, and we can't find them. We can just see the, the effect of them on the things that we do see. And it's not silly that we can't find them. It's just, that's our limited eyes. Birds see colors you don't see. They see emotions you don't see. Dogs smell things you'll never smell. A polar bear is supposed to have the the world's most sensitive nose. I've not checked the data, but that's just what I'm told. So when people say, if these things exist, why don't more people see them? I would say, well, I'm not sure they need to show themselves because if we take a look at how demons are worshiped, they're worshiped in self-love, sex, power, and money. I'm pretty sure they, they're they doing quite well in, in every place I've been. In third world countries, you do run across more physical and more manifestations than you would here. And my response is here, they don't have to do that hard of work. They already got us. Maybe I'm a, um, maybe I'm a cynic. We worship sex and power and we sacrifice our children. We pass them through the fire. We let devices raise them. We let um, systems raise them that teach them falsehoods about their own biology and about God and about their value and their place in the universe. And then we spend massive amounts of money to send them to universities that will tell them from day one that everything their mom and dad told them was wrong and they're stupid. So the the parents are stupid. So we got to educate you so that you won't be as stupid as your parents. Why would we pay for this? By the way, there are a lot of universities that won't do that. Please allow me to speak in generalizations. Um, in fact, I see many times that the best religion, or the most popular religion, the one most people are, more people are passionate about, will be sports, rather than Jesus. And that's, you, know, you could be a fervid, excited, passionate sports fan, and I'm not knocking you. But I, I see some of this going to religious devotion. Same with rock stars. The religious devotion that is sometimes given to these people Is well above what you will see given to Jesus on any given Sunday. Jesus considered demons to be real and he would speak in phrases like, this kind only come out with prayer and fasting, while others could be cast out more easily. So he seemed to believe and have some experience with different levels and powers of demons. Sometimes when he would travel to a new place, look at this, look for this in the Gospels. Very often when Jesus is traveling to a new place for the first time to speak of who he is and the kingdom of God, that's when demons show up uh, and to either distract or to to push against him. Peter tells us we're being stalked. He says, Satan's after you like a lion. And by the way, that would, what do lions grab? They grab the ones that are not with the group. They grab ones that are not paying attention over in military terms they're in condition white they're not paying attention to what's around them they're unaware he should know Peter because Jesus said to him that Satan had asked permission more than once to take Peter and Jesus had said no now that's a weird exchange and a little chilling but we don't know we don't we don't really know all the issues there We know according to 2 Peter and according to the book of Jude that some demons are in chains, physical chains, metaphysical chains, meaning they're limited or are they imprisoned? We have no idea. Many other spirits are out there and I really wanna run through this quickly because I've hit the 15 minute mark and we're going a bit above. I'll try to get this done in two or three minutes. If you have questions, info at rsafeharbor.com. In the Bible, uh, I have found these looking, and I'm sure I've missed some. Spirit of haughtiness, that's pride. Spirit of emulation, that is too competitive. Uh, spirits of fear, error, jealousy, of whoredom in the old King James word, and it's a sexual bondage, of infirmity, of bondage, heaviness. Spirit of heaviness. Uh, unclean spirits, foul spirits, unruly spirits, perverse spirits, deceiving spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, and. Paul warns Christians that you are not immune to these demigods. And some have even, he said, given over territory and their hearts and brains to these. And so they allow them to build strong towers in their head, in their heart. Paul says our battles are, are with them and not with people. People are not our enemy and they should never be treated as our enemy. I believe him. I believe what Joshua said. You got to pick a side. But if you're wondering, well, where are all these things? Please remember, we can't find 97 to 99% of the universe. Our eyes are not designed for that. And the emptiness of the universe is, is amazing. One of these days, we'll just have to talk about that. But the fact is that you are about 99.9% space because those little centers of your atoms and the spinning orbits that you had to do back in chemistry may have made you think everything is really close but if my body were the nucleus for an atom, let's just say an oxygen atom, the electron flying around me would be out there about 78 feet away. And if you want another shell going after that, you're going for a more complex thing here, it could be miles away. There's a lot of room out there for strange things. So I think we ought to pick a side. I know which side most of us has picked, so why don't we, this week, live like we've already picked a side. Have a great week. Cheers.